What's up, everybody? Happy Palm Sunday weekend, everybody. We are just so excited that you're gathered with us online to celebrate Jesus on such a significant weekend to those of us who are in the Christian faith. Listen, if I haven't said this in a while, I just want you guys to know I think y'all are some amazing, amazing people. Central Christian Church is a special place, and as next weekend marks my second year here as full-time associate pastor, I just want you guys to know what an honor it is to serve both you and our God in this position. And I know I speak for Dave and the rest of our teaching team here at Central Christian when I say I'm hopeful that this series move has been blessing your life the way it's been speaking and challenging me in my own life. As we conclude this series, I just wanted to recap for those of you who may have missed a message or two. We've been studying and learning from the life of Abraham. Abraham, who is considered the father of our faith, as God called Abraham to move on behalf of week one topic, the call of God, from his earthly father's house to a land, provision, and brand new space that God was calling him to. And then we learned the following week how even as number two flawed as Abraham was, just like you and me are, that when God calls you to a thing, he doesn't always call the qualified, but he always qualifies the called. Yeah, he covers us, he keeps us, and he places us exactly where we're supposed to be. And then we learn that God's promises, week three, are real, sure, and certain for those whom he has covered and called to his purposes. And also that God not only makes promises to us, but week four, he guarantees uh, his commitment to us, not based upon how good we are, but because of how good he is. Amen. Amen. Last week, we learned that not just back in Abraham's day, but even today, our God is still in the miracle working business. And some of y'all, you feeling that for real right now because you don't got to look that far back in time to recognize that it's a miracle, Ray, you would say to me, that I'm still here today. Yeah, I wish I had some real people listening to this right now. Some of y'all like saying to yourself, the reason that I'm still breathing, the reason that I even got my mind right now is not because of my intelligence, not because of my residence, or not because of my common sense, but it's all because of God. Somebody say amen right there. Yeah, yeah. And so, everybody, um, it's been a phenomenal series. And this weekend, I have the privilege of closing us out with the final message of this series. This weekend, we're going to talk about sacrifice. And so I want to jump into Genesis chapter 22. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, everybody, verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Now, everybody, what we know about Abraham up until this point of the journey, we know that at 75 years old, God called him for the first time with a command to leave your native country, your people, and your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And everybody, as illogical and unlikely of a request as that was, the Bible says Abraham takes his wife, his nephew, and all the people and wealth he accumulated and acquired in Haran, and he headed out, not knowing where, when, or how long the journey was. Powered and propelled by the promise 
of God that in verse two of Genesis chapter 12, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless those. I will bless you and make you famous. And I will be a blessing. uh, Excuse me. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And that was God's promise to Abraham. But everybody, can I tell you something? All the other stuff that God promised Abraham, you know, that, hey, I'm going to make you famous. You're going to be blessed enough to bless others. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Listen, all of that was great. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. But listen, the thing that Abraham desired most of all was to have a son of his very own. And there's no way you you can become a nation without having an heir, you understand. So when God leads with saying that he's going to bless Abraham to be a great nation, he got exactly what God was throwing down to him. Abraham, that dude who on the outside, seemingly everybody had it all. He had money. He had a beautiful wife, servants, livestock, allies. But in his mind, all of that was incomplete because at 75 years old, he and his wife, Sarah, were still childless. And none of that other stuff had as much significance if he didn't have a son to carry on a family name. And everybody, after decades of trusting and believing God, 25 years later, at 100 years old, his wife, Sarah, everybody, 90 years old, God gave Abraham his heart's desire. Through Sarah, God blessed them to have a son who Abraham named Isaac. It was simply miraculous. God was faithful to his word to Abraham and he delivered the promise he made to Abraham in miraculous fashion, everybody, all to come back to him in Genesis 22 with this. He says again, here's the verse again. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. And so everybody, somebody say sometime later. Now, now, now we don't know for sure how long that sometime later was, but the Bible gives us several clues to help us assume that it was probably several years that had elapsed. And we can safely assume that Isaac was at least a teenager at this point and could have easily have been. And some biblical scholars believe that Isaac was at least 20 years old in this text. And so now we understand that it was several years later, everybody, God decides to text, text, excuse me, test Abraham's faith. You say, well, what was the test? That good question. Genesis 22, verse two, it says, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice, um, as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Did I read that right? I think my Bible broke. I'm I'm, going to refresh it and hit the refresh button. Try it again. I'm going to read it again. Maybe my Bible will reset itself. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, yes, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice, as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I should tell you. Okay. Okay. Uh, Could you do it? Yeah. Yeah. See, here's two things I need you to understand. Number one, we understand that according to the Bible, 
in Genesis chapter 20, verse 1, the Bible says that God uh, was testing Abraham's faith. Now, we understand that, but can I tell y'all something? Point number one, uh, Abraham didn't know this was a test. You understand? We got the benefit of knowing what the deal was because we got the book. Abraham ain't had no book. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, for him, this was all happening live, real time, and in living color. He had no way of knowing exactly how this was going to turn out. So now I'm going to ask you again, putting yourself in those circumstances, could you do it? Yeah. Here's the second thing I need you to get. Abraham, everybody, loved Isaac more than anything. Probably safe to assume he loved Isaac more than his wife, more than even his own life. Everybody, you got to understand, Isaac was his ultimate heart's desire. Some of y'all say, okay, you're reaching again, Ray. How can you know that for certain? Well, well, a couple of things. Uh, what did God ask Abraham for? You notice he didn't ask Abraham to sacrifice Sarah. And got awful quiet. <laughs> yeah. and, and also, everybody, just understanding the nature of what a real sacrifice is. Somebody say sacrifice. That word sacrifice in Webster's Dictionary literally means an act of giving up something greatly valued. Sacrifice is an act of giving up something greatly valued. And if I could say it another way, everybody, you see, a sacrifice isn't really a sacrifice if there isn't a great value attached to it and that there's no discomfort to be disconnected from it. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> see, a sacrifice isn't really a sacrifice if there isn't a great value attached to it and that there's no discomfort to be disconnected from it. Let me, let me tell you to it another way. See, it, see, it's a difference uh, between you saying to me, uh, Ray, uh, let me get $10. Oh, oh okay. $10. You need $10. Okay. How, how you like that a certain type of way? You just, you just want 10 ones. You want two fives. You want a $10 bill. You know, I, I, I got you. Uh, you don't know when you can get me back. No, no problem. You know, take your time. It's $10. You know, it's a difference between that and you walking up to me and say, Hey, Hey, Ray, let me get 15, 15. Oh yeah. A five and a 10. Good. Nah, 1500. Whoa, 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 whoa. 1500? Let's talk about that for a second because you know that's bill money. That's uh, Michelle on the beach out the country money. You feel me? That's college saving account money. Yeah, I, I got to think about that for a few days. That's a little bit more of a what's the, what's the word? What's the S word? Oh, sacrifice. Yeah. Because I'm going to say it again a sacrifice, everybody, isn't really a sacrifice. If there isn't a great value attached to it and that there's no discomfort from being disconnected from it. I want to give you the second part of the definition of sacrifice. I gave you the first part. Watch this. This is going to bless somebody. Sacrifice is an act of giving up something greatly valued. Watch this now. For the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Are you getting that? Everybody. And we get to see Abraham's heart for God when presented with this ginormous, incomprehensible request from God. Because the Bible says he doesn't hesitate. The request from God comes out and the Bible says the next morning, somebody say the next morning. Yeah, the next morning, Abraham got up early. Notice now he didn't procrastinate. He didn't say, oh, I need a sign from heavens for confirmation. He didn't say, oh, let me take a few days to make sure I didn't eat some bad pizza and had a nightmare and I just heard this thing wrong. No, no, no. The Bible says the next morning, 
Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants along with him, along with his son, Isaac. And the Bible says, then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. And everybody, what's so powerful about this to me, y'all, is that, you know, a lot of people, they like to talk about or boast about or sing about how much they love the Lord and that he's first place in their lives and how much they're willing to sacrifice for him. But everybody, sacrifice is not just about what we sing or about what we say, but it's also about what we show. Sacrifice is not just about what we sing or what we say, but it's also about what we show. Yet, how do we do when God asks us about that thing that belongs to us, that causes us discomfort to be disconnected from? How do we do with that? How do we do? You know, that thing that belongs to you like our money. You understand? God's been pushing some of us for years to believe him and to tithe for years now. But some of us, we still finding reasons to stay stuck tipping God versus tithing to God because we're comfortable. Yeah. You know, the stuff that belongs to us like our time. Jesus has been unctioning some of us to get up early before work to spend time with him. But that bed be like, ah, you know, because it's comfortable. You understand? You rather sleep in. Though you've been talking about hanging with Jesus for months now, you know, you just ah, next time, next time. And you allow yourself to get comfortable, you know. Stuff that belongs to us like our pride. Jesus is like, hey, call them, apologize to them. Look, forgive that jerk, I mean person who mistreated you, stole from you, lied on you. You ain't got to be best friends, but you also don't got to be bitter for the rest of your life either. That doesn't serve you or me well as well. How many of y'all know some folks that have chosen to get into bed with their bitterness and have gotten uncomfortable and have gotten comfortable? Yeah. Stuff that belongs to us like our feelings, you know, especially concerning a love interest. You know, you stand with them or they stand with you and they know just what to do to make you feel good. You understand. But how many of us know that what feels good to to us in the short run isn't always what's best for us in the long run? And quite honestly, some of these folks, they are straight up barrier to your spiritual growth and development. But you refuse to sacrifice that relationship because of how they make you feel. You see, you've gotten comfortable. Yeah. I said our sacrifice is not just about what we say or what we sing, but it's also about what we show, which everybody brings me to my first teaching point. And that is everybody, God will many times ask us to sacrifice our greatest earthly desire in order to reveal who or what is our ultimate desire. He'll many times ask us to sacrifice our greatest earthly desire in order to reveal who or what is our ultimate desire. And can I ask you a real question? I know I've been all up in your business this weekend, and I apologize for that, but we're here because we're trying to be like Jesus, right? We're trying to get sharp and be like Jesus, right? Here's a question. Is there something in your possession that you love and treasure so much that if Jesus asked you for it, you would withhold it from him? Is it? See, only you can answer that question. And I'm just going to tell you, it's that thing that Jesus is going to continue to ask you about just to see if you will finally and eventually trust him with it. 
Yet God will many times, everybody, ask us to sacrifice our greatest earthly desire in order to reveal who or what is our ultimate desire. But here's the second thing. You, you need to understand this. God doesn't need our sacrifice. Yeah, he just wants us to be willing to offer our sacrifice. He doesn't need our sacrifice. He just wants us to be willing to offer our sacrifice. Everybody, do you understand that? Like, please understand, God ain't broken need alone. You feel me? I mean, I think some of us had a mentality, God is always asking me for stuff. Must be a rough month for God. Let me see what I can do for him. No, no, no. First of all, your stuff uh, is not yours. Can we just clear that up right now? Name something in your pocket or in your possession right now. Just, just, just think about it. Name something in your pocket or in your possession right now. Guess what? It all belongs to him. Yeah, you need a verse. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let me give you another one. The Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father. I'm going to say it again. God doesn't need our sacrifice. He just wants us to be willing to offer our sacrifice. Let, let, me, let me say it like this. Y'all remember when we were young and your parents bought you your favorite special treat? Listen, for me, it's potato chips. Oh, my goodness. That's like my kryptonite. You understand? My wife and I have been on this eating plan, y'all. We've been eating super clean. Like, I'm down 15 pounds from the first of the year. I ain't had a potato chip in three months. You understand? So anyway, uh, let, me, let me get back to the story. So, so, so they bought you this special treat, right? They, they give it to you. They give you the treat, and then, and then you all excited about it, and then they ask you for your treat, and you like, huh? This is my treat. When you just at the store, why don't you buy your own treat? Oh, it's just me, just me. Yeah. And see, you, you know, when you're young and immature, you're too short-sighted to understand that it's really not about the chips. Because you're right, you know, I can buy my own chips. I just want to see where your heart is as it pertains to the one uh, who provided you with the chips. And who was able to provide you chip bag after chip bag after chip bag until you got chips coming out of your ears. Yeah, see, it's really not about the treat. It's about passing the test. Somebody say pass the test. You see, most parents, everybody, when they're asking, aren't asking because they really want your treat. In fact, how many times do you remember uh, or heard your parents saying, oh, no, thank you, baby. I just wanted to see if you would share with me. Yeah. See, it was a test. It was a test to see if we loved and appreciated them enough to be willing to share the thing that we love and enjoy more than anything else. Are y'all seeing this picture? Right. Everybody, Abraham and Isaac got to the place of the sacrifice, and Abraham says to the servants in verse 5, he says, stay here with the donkey. Uh, the boy and I will travel a little further, and we're going to worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We got the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep? For the burnt offering, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac, everybody, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, 
the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Uh, don't lay a hand on the boy. Uh, the angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. Everybody. See, I need somebody to understand. It was never about Abraham's sacrifice. For God, it was always about Abraham's willingness to offer the sacrifice and the simple fact that Abraham was willing to move and simply offer that which he cherished more than anything. He got to see that God can provide for himself the provision necessary. And everybody, sometimes everybody, we can't see what God is doing. We may not know how God is going to make it all come together. But like Abraham, if we just move in obedience with a heart willing to give to God whatever he desires while we're walking up one side of the mountain, guess what? The ultimate blessing, the real provision that we can't see is walking up the other side of the mountain, just waiting to intersect with us, just waiting for us to grab it, just waiting for us to claim it as our own. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Yeah, everybody, we get to experience the power and the presence of God when we recognize that ultimately everything in our hands, it all belongs to him in the first place. So far be it from me, God, to deny you what you gave me in the first place. And I just need somebody to see it's not what's in our hands that God wants. He wants our hearts. Because guess what? If we have if he has our hearts, then he has our hands. If he has our hearts, then he has our head. If he has our hearts, he has everything else. Somebody had to say amen right there. I hope this is helping somebody today. You see, God will many times ask us to sacrifice our greatest earthly desire in order to reveal who or what is our ultimate desire. And God doesn't need our sacrifice. He just wants us to be willing to offer our sacrifice. Here's the last thing. God asks us to sacrifice to him so we can connect with him in his sacrifice for us. It's going to make sense in a minute. You notice most people, when you tell them that you're hurting or you're going through, they feel bad for you. They may even pray for you. But the ones who really reach for you and connect with you are the ones who have had a similar struggle. Is this making sense? I would always feel bad for people uh, when I found out that they lost a parent. But see, my heart wouldn't break. Not because I'm a jerk, but simply because I just didn't know what that was like. Until my father passed away. <laughs> now my heart breaks with people because I can literally connect with that type of pain and that type of separation. Hey, my dad and I was pretty tight. But he was still my father. Somebody understand what I'm saying right there. Yeah. He been dead for two years and I'm still scared of that dude. Y'all remember a few weeks ago when it snowed really badly, you know, in, in, in our area. And, 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 you know, now, of course, mom is home alone. And so she needs help with shoveling. And in this case, you know, plowing snow. 
And y'all remember how cold it was and snow all over the place. And so I had to go out and plow the snow. And I'm out at her house and several times I had to go inside and warm up. And that just was not fun. Uh, but we got over there, we got it done, and I'm loading up the snow plow, getting ready to head home, and my mom, everybody made me some hot tea, and then she tried to give me $20 for plowing her snow. This is exactly what I did. I was like, woman, you crazy. I ain't taking that money. You ain't finna get me in trouble. Dad would literally be like, uh, what's going on? Jesus, hold on, hold on, Jesus, I'll be right back. Fly down from heaven and smack me upside my head if I even thought about taking money from my mama. It's just me. Come on, it can't be just me, right? But everybody, that's the respect, the love, the reverence that I had for my dad. I want y'all to see that in this story. Do you see it? Listen, Abraham is 115, 120 years old. And y'all do know, as they was going up that mountain, you understand Isaac was starting to put two and two together, right? You did see that in this passage, right? Remember when he was like, uh, Dad? Abraham was like, yes, my son. Uh, you know, we got the wood, we got the fire. But where the sheep at for the offering? Come on. You got to realize Isaac had seen and been a part of a bunch of sacrifices. So I think in his mind, he was starting to kind of put this thing together and see how this thing was going to go down. And please understand, if he wanted to, he could have made tying up his hands and feet real difficult for Abraham. You know, he could have... Shucked and jumped and dipped and ripped on him a few. He 115 years old. Isaac 15, 20 years old. You feel me? He could have. And everybody, some of y'all saying to yourself, I know I got some scholars watching from my Hebrew scholars. I hear you saying, well, Pastor Ray, you got to understand in the Jewish culture, Isaac could have been stoned for disobeying his dad. And listen, I get that. But remember, they was on that mountain alone. It's just a shy town coming out of me, obviously. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I, hey, Abraham could have had an accident and there was no witnesses. You feel me? Isaac could have been like, uh, it's going to be me or it's going to be you. And it ain't going to be me. Pushed him down that mountain and went back to the sur- two servants at the bottom of the mountain. Like, uh, you know, dad had an accident. Come on, somebody. But do you see this? The respect, the love, the reverence that he had for his dad to willingly give himself up as a sacrifice, not because he understood why, but simply out of obedience to the father. And how about Abraham? The anguish he must have felt a three day journey to the place of the sacrifice, replaying Isaac's first steps, his first words every day with his boy. He waited so long to have, Hey, do y'all see this? Isaac, everybody, is a type of Christ. Philippians chapter two says it like this. We got to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something uh, to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And everybody, may I suggest, uh, for God the Father, this had to be painful and agonizing as well. But the Bible says that for God so loved the world. Yeah, I dare you to say this again as I say it and put your name right there. For God so loved Ray 
that he what? Gave. Everybody, he sacrificed his one and only son. Can I say this to somebody? Abraham, everybody, he got to feel that. Even for a moment, he got to feel, he got to see a foreshadowing of what God the Father, watch this, was willing to offer for us and what Jesus the Son was willing to do for us. I hope y'all seeing this picture. It's one of the reasons I believe that God asks us to sacrifice to him. See, it gives us the opportunity to feel ever so slightly that pain, that discomfort that he felt. And hopefully when we do, it also helps us to connect with him that much more in his sacrifice for us. Is this making any sense? Here's the last thing I want to say to you, everybody. Last thing is when we sacrifice for God, he always gives back way more than he takes away. I wish I had a witness right there. When we sacrifice for God, he always gives back way more than he takes away. Everybody, Abraham was so convinced of this because of God's promise to him way back in Genesis chapter 12 when they first met. In Hebrews 11, the Bible says it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. You see, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through which your descendants uh, will be counted. So Abraham reasoned to himself that if Isaac died, God had the ability, he was able to bring him back to life again. Everybody, Palm Sunday is Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem where the people celebrated him and were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Only the five days later has some of the very same people yell out, crucify him. Everybody, it was a big time sacrifice. Jesus died the most excruciating, humiliating death known to man, a death reserved, everybody, for the worst of the worst, reserved for the hardened criminals. And he was absolutely innocent. We were the ones that deserved the pain. We were the ones that deserved the shame of the cross. We were the ones that earned death. But Jesus, in obedience to the Father, paid the price that we couldn't pay, covered the cost that we couldn't cover. But he didn't stay in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead with all power and authority in his hands. And I love what the end of uh, Philippians chapter 2 says. Look at verse 9. It says, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. And gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Everybody see when we sacrifice for God, <laughs> he always gives us back way more than he takes away. And I just want you to do something as I wrap this up. I want you to think about what Jesus has done for you. Just think about what has Jesus done for you? Now, I want you to think about what Jesus is asking of you. Now, is that thing you're clinging on to so tightly that you just refuse to part with? Is that thing Jesus is asking of you, does it even compare with what Jesus has done for you? I think we all know the answer to that question. And on the eve of the greatest weekend of our faith, what would it look like, y'all, for us to be willing to offer Jesus that thing 
he's been after from you for some time now. You know what that thing is? Your heart. I'm saying your whole heart. Because here's what I know. If Jesus has your heart, he has your hands. And when we're willing to offer our sacrifice to God, I promise you, he's always willing to give back way more than he takes away. Speaking of sacrifice, before you guys leave, I want to invite you to stay on because Pastor Eric, our executive pastor, is going to come and uh, give you a reminder about something very significant that we have going on this weekend. So after I pray, would you please remain on uh, the video for this final word from our executive pastor. Father, thank you. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. And God, what we recognize is the sacrifice that you made for us, the sacrifice that uh, you made uh, that you didn't have to, that you were totally innocent of, that we should have very easily took the fall and the blame for, it doesn't even compare to the things that you ask us to sacrifice. And what would it look like, God, for us to trust you, to trust you enough to even just offer what it is that you're asking for us to offer you? Here's what I know. Your scripture teaches us uh, that whatever we sacrifice for you, uh, you always give us back way more in return because it's not about the sacrifice. It's about us being willing to offer the sacrifice. You don't want what's in our hand. You want what's in our heart and you want our whole heart. I pray that we would never love something so greatly and hold something so tightly that if you ask for it, God, that we wouldn't willingly release it into your hands, into your care. Because everything that we have, it comes from you anyway. I pray that be our heartbeat moving forward. That whatever it is, God, you ask of us, whoever it is you ask of us, God, it's all yours because it all belongs to you in the first place. Let that be our heartbeat of worship moving forward. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwired.com and have a great week.